Hi there. Thanks for listening to AV+. Plus. This is the new podcast from Commercial Integrator about all things commercial technology and AV integration. I'm Adam Forziati, the web editor for CI. This week we're talking about Whitlock. They're that giant integrator that you hear about fairly often. They're pretty much entirely focused on what they call organic growth, which basically means that they aren't focused on acquisitions unlike other integrators of their size. So what are they focused on? Well, global opportunities for one, sales team flexibility and growing relationships with existing customers, not just growing the customer list. CI Editor-in-Chief Tom LeBlanc recently chatted with Whitlock's Executive VP, John Steinhauer, and that's what I wanted to play for you next. But first, just a little bit of housekeeping. Don't forget to stay tuned to AV Plus because next Friday's episode marks the beginning of our Infocom 2018 coverage. A bunch of us here at CI and our sister publications like Tech Decisions are going to uh, Infocom this year as we would normally, but we're really trying to expand our coverage of the event and provide you with a little bit more video analysis of the event too, so stay tuned for that. And of course, we'll be talking about Infocom in our monthly longer episode at the end of this month and then again uh, the week after we get back in the weekly episode. So we'll definitely be covering that event like a blanket, and if you are not able to go, this is your opportunity to stay in touch with what's happening in the industry. So anyway, here's Tom LeBlanc with Whitlock's John Steinhauer. I'll talk to you again next week. I wanted to also talk a little bit about the sales team segmentation at Whitlock. You know, for Whitlock, it's very important to identify areas of opportunity and then to sort of sort of build infrastructure around pursuing the things that are most important. And that's interesting because I, I wonder if most integration firms do a good job of really dividing up their sales team to ideally pursue things such as what we just talked about, you know, the global market, but also like customers that are are, you know, really just important customers that will lead to more customers and you know, vertical markets that is, that you guys see big opportunities in. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing in terms of sales team segmentation? Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. We're always fine-tuning that. And in the last year, we uh, we broke into three distinct groups, uh, global account managers, key account managers, and regional account managers. And, and basically, the reason we did this was we have, a, a I think, a pretty unique model in place where we're territory less when it comes to selling. So if a salesperson has the customer relationship, right, they can, uh, they can deal with that customer anywhere and get credit, if you will, for sales everywhere uh, in dealing with that account. It's that old one neck to hug, which is nicer than the other more violent one throat to choke uh, kind of analogy there. But this has proven to be really successful for us, uh, but we had to put a little focus around it. So what we did was um, our global account managers handle a small group of customers that are very well penetrated uh, that are doing things globally, and we invest in training them and all the nuances of doing global business with, a, with an enterprise customer. So fewer customers uh, are highest performers as a result, too. Uh, these are folks that have the, the very best relationships, and they sell the complete portfolio. So they're, uh, you know, they're very... Um, uh, open-minded to expanding the portfolio penetration from services, professional managed services, uh, all variety of technology. Um, so they're they're really our uh, our global sales force. They're called GAMs, global account managers. Uh, 
The next rung is uh, uh, key account managers, uh, CAMs. And those folks are, they have a list of customers that they're developing. And, um, you know, the, it's a list that we focus on. We measure their results. And we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, building plans, customer plans to help them be successful with those customers. And frankly, you know, if they're not, you know, if we're not making progress, we spend time reassigning customers there too. We don't want to leave a customer dormant uh, where we're not having success because we don't have the right engagement with the right person on that. So the CAM list, if you will, is something that's always evolving. We're always monitoring it and working with our folks to be successful there. And what we found is uh, some of our best key account managers wind up becoming global account managers as they get more successful with a smaller group of those customers on their list. You know, we start to reassign some of the others to other CAMs, to other RAMs, and they kind of move up into the GAM structure. So we've been seeing our uh, our global account team growing in the last year as a result of that. Um, the last group are our regional account managers. And <clears throat> one of the things when you're territorial S that happens to a company is uh, people drive by customers on their way to the airport because everyone can go everywhere. And uh, we're not successful in our own backyards. So the regional account manager, the RAM approach is to is to change that is to focus on uh, being successful in our regions. And uh, these folks are largely focused on uh, verticals that might be strong in that geography. Uh, they're also um, focused more on acquisition than the other folks that have named customers. Uh, so they do a bit more uh, acquisition there too. And if you take that whole group of GamCam Rams and you bundle them together, they're an offshoot of this uh, strategy uh, we have called RAD, Retain, Acquire, and Develop. And we're constantly doing that. We're constantly trying to figure out a way to focus on customer retention, to focus on customer development, and to be very strategic about our acquisition uh, planning. So of all those different varieties of reps I mentioned, they're all allowed, if you will, to acquire customers because, you know, references come or uh, things come our way. Uh, maybe a big RFP that's strategically important to the company will assign that to, to a good salesperson. Uh, but all the acquisition in Whitlock has to be approved. Every salesperson has to build a business case for it before they can pursue it, which gets us out of this, you know, the old school uh, integration chasing cranes kind of mentality. You know, we have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy for, uh, for going after new business. Because frankly, we feel as though if we took our top 100 customer list right now and never signed another customer, we can meet our growth expectations for the next five years if we execute on our sales plan. Can you just talk about why, why, why do you feel like Whitlock is in a, a good position in today's integration market? Sure. That definitely my favorite thing to talk about. It's, um, it, it's a lot more than a well-executed strategy, which, which we have. It's our people and our culture. And, you know, the way I describe our culture is, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a company that's great to work for and a company that's great to work with. And those are easy things to say, incredibly difficult things to deliver on. You know, it's a simple phrase, uh, <clears throat> but when people love their jobs, it's contagious and it sets the stage for people to do more and to go above and beyond. And when, when you're a great company uh, to deal with, it means your customers love you too. Right, and your partners uh, uh, love working with you as well. That that's what we're trying to establish, and we work toward every day. I get stopped at industry events, some of them yours, you know, by uh, some peers, at, 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 even sometimes at competitors. 
you know, and uh, they asked me, what's it about your culture? You know, how do you guys do that? And I'm always humbled to hear that our positive culture is a big part of our reputation, you know, and how I answer the question is pretty simple. And, you know, first I say it's humble. I'm humbled and flattered, uh, you know, by the question in and of itself. And then I share with them that it's a constant work in progress. You know, it's not a mission statement or a vision poster that you hang on a wall. It's the embodiment of all those sentiments and goals that we strive for. You know, it's a lot of work on a daily basis to continuously improve. And it's walking the walk every day. You know, it's, um, it's conducting business in a thoughtful, caring way, you know, with integrity and treating your employees, customers, and partners with respect and, and working on those relationships every day. It's never done. That's what I like telling people. It's never done. I can't say we have a great culture. It's not done. Uh, but when we adopt the approach we have and we really believe in it like we do and we make the investments, it's a labor of love and it doesn't even feel like work. Uh, but um, I think that is what differentiates us. I know our customers feel it. When we have an interview, I have a big interview coming up with a, a prospect this week and I can't wait to talk to them. Um, <clears throat> they were referred by another customer. You know, it's it's different. You know, pe- people it resonates with people, I believe. And, uh, and I really do. I think it just comes down to the people and how you treat them. And, uh, and, and the good things will follow. 